We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church Podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to this message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. This whole COVID thing, I am so tired of it. 2020 seems like there was so many problems, so many, so much difficulty. Lately, have you felt that too? Have you felt like life is super, super hard? That trials and tribulations keep knocking at your door and as soon as one leaves, another comes. Have you ever felt like giving up? Like, I am tired of this, that every season that comes, there's grumbling and groaning instead of rejoicing. And you're asking yourself, Lord, how long is this season going to last? Here in Michigan, we have four seasons, right? And, and what's nice with that is we know that in bad seasons like winter, I hate winter, that there's an expiration date. It's going to come to an end. Just last week, it was 77 degrees here, and, and my kids were outside with shorts and t-shirts up until 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night, and now, uh, just yesterday, it was like 34 degrees, but I knew that that nice, beautiful weather, that that, that season of our life was going to end. So thank God that seasons have an expiration date, but I found a way to get through these seasons. Now, winter I hate winter so much, and my husband hates it even more than me. And here in Michigan, it seems like there's a permacloud that just hovers over us, and we don't get to see sun for weeks. And we need that vitamin D, and there's there's a thing called seasonal depression. And it's real, y'all. And I believe that those seasons get you down, and it gets you grumbling, it gets you complaining. And there's a season of of brokenness. And there's a season where our marriages are struggling. There's a season when we are uh, butting heads with our children. There's seasons. There's seasons. There's trials and tests that come. But what if I told you that there's a way to get through those seasons without grumbling, without complaining? There's a way. And it's in God's word. And we learned that from James James is the brother of Jesus, and he's going to teach us some things in, 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 the, in God's word. So whatever you're going through, whatever trial you're facing, whatever season that you are in, it starts with a choice. And only you can make that choice for yourself. You might be asking, what is that choice? I, I need to choose it because I need to stop grumbling. I need to stop complaining. I need to get through this season, and I will share that with you. But first, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, as we open your word, open our hearts and our minds to receive the wisdom and the knowledge in it, and let us use it to draw closer to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, James is the brother of Jesus, and he wrote a chapter, and James is the little brother, and I'm imagining my children. I have three boys. I have a 15-year-old, a 9-year-old, and a 5-year-old. Now, the 5-year-old, his name is Jeremiah, and the 9-year-old, he's Elijah. Now, everything Elijah does, whether he wants to go outside and play um, with his scooter or his bike, Jeremiah wants to do it too. If he wants to go inside and watch TV, Jeremiah wants to do it too. So I'm imagining that James was following his, bro- his big brother Jesus around and wanted to do everything that he did. 
But what excites me even more is when Elijah comes home from school and Elijah loves knowledge, he loves wisdom, he loves learning. So what excites me is when he comes home and he shares that information, Jeremiah is just soaking it up. So for James, I'm like, what is the best person to soak up information from but Jesus, the greatest teacher of all times? And James, the, the, the book James in the Bible is known as the Proverbs of the New Testament because he has so much wisdom and knowledge that he gains from his brothers. And in this chapter, he goes to, he's writing a letter to 12 churches. He's writing a letter to them and, and, and it starts off James chapter 1. It says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes, which is the churches, the 12 churches in dispersion, greetings. He sends a greeting. It's almost like saying, dear so-and-so, but who writes letters anymore, right? So he, he sends a greeting and he gets right into it. He says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that you're testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing he says count it all joy my brothers when you meet trials they're probably wondering like excuse me you want me to count it as joy that i'm going through this struggle that i'm going through this thing this trial count it as joy Consider it to be something that is good. How does that even make sense? I like, I'm reading right now from the English Standard Version, but I like the way the New International Version says it. He says, consider it pure joy. And the New Living Translation, they say, consider, consider it an opportunity for great joy. It's an opportunity to be joyful. And you're probably wondering, how so? You see, trials and tests are designed to strengthen your faith. They're not there to make you fall. They're not there to, to harm you or to hurt you. They're there to strengthen your faith. You see, God is a sovereign God. And, and if God has the whole world in his hand, God has you in his hand, that means that your trials, your season, your struggles are also in his hands. See, God allowed you to walk through this trial. He's allowing you to walk through this season, not to hurt you, but to strengthen your faith. But Satan, you have to be careful. He's sneaky. Satan is looking and waiting for you to get through that test and he, to get in that trial or that struggle. And he wants to derail you from the vision and mission that God has for you. He wants to use these tests and trials to make you fall, to make you sin. I like it. As I, as I was studying um, for this message, I found a quote, and I can't even remember who the quote was by, and I try to go back and look to find out who it was from, but um, I just want to share this quote with you. It says, Joy is a Christian grace that is exercised. Philosophy may instruct men to be calm under their troubles, but Christianity teaches them to be joyful because such exercise proceeds from love and not from fury. He says joy is a Christian grace that is exercised. 
Like joy is actually a muscle that you can exercise. He wants you to exercise that muscle so that you can get stronger in your faith. Now philosophy may instruct men to just be calm under their, their trials and their struggles. Have you ever heard that call, wusa, wusa? Or maybe Daniel Tiger neighborhood when, when you get mad and you wanna roar, just count to four, you know. Philosophy just wants you to be calm during your, your test and your trials. But it says here, Christianity teaches them to be joyful because such exercises proceed from love and not fury in God. God is not trying to punish you. God is not trying to hurt you. He's trying to make you strong. He is not mad at you as you walk through these seasons, as you walk through these trials and temptations. See, trials are designed to produce a spiritual maturity in you. So you should count it as joy. So in the midst of your test, the first thing I want you to know, the first lesson is you have to choose joy. Now let's go on to to verse 2. Verse 2 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kind. He said when. He didn't say if, he said when. So he wants them to prepare themselves. He wants them to strengthen that muscle. He wants them to prepare. He said when. Everybody goes through trials. Everybody goes through struggles. And it's almost like a a weatherman telling you guys, the hurricane is coming. Not if it's coming, when it's coming. So board up your windows, board up your doors because it's coming. We may not know when it's coming, but it's coming. So he's telling them, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. He also says various kinds because we know that seasons change. We know that one day it might be something small, one day it might be something big, but he's letting you know that trials and tribulations, seasons come in different forms. Now, the lesson that I have for this one, I didn't even know what to pick. So I literally said lesson 2A and 2B. The first lesson I want you to take is trials are not meant to break you down, but to build you up. Trials are not meant to break you, but to make you strong and to build you up. Lesson 2B is trials are not meant to make you bitter, but to make you better. They're not meant to allow you to grumble and complain and to walk through life stressed and annoyed, but it's it's made to make you better and to make you stronger, knowing that God is there helping you walk through it. Let's look at verse 3 together. It says, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. You know James is telling the 12 churches here, you know, guys, this is not something new. You've been through this before. You've been through trials. You've been through struggles before. You know that the testing of your faith produce steadfastness. And the testing of your faith, what does that mean? We only see it one other place in the Bible. In 1 Peter 1, verse 7, it says, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fires test and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. Your faith is more precious than gold. And if gold has to go through the fire to be seen as genuine, to be seen as something pure, 
Don't you think that God is going to allow us to walk through some fires so that he can know that our faith is genuine, to know that our faith is pure, to know that our faith is growing and stronger? Steadfast, that word steadfast. We don't use it very often nowadays. Nobody really uses that word steadfast. And I had to look it up. It says be firm and unwavering. Some similar words that they used was loyal, faithful, committed, reliable, determined, unchanging, endurance. God wants us to endure through our, our trials and our seasons. God wants us to get through to the other side. But God, sometimes we don't feel that you're there, right? Sometimes we don't know that you're there, Lord. Where are you when we're going through our struggles? Where are you when we can't make ends meet and we feel like we're broke? Where are you, Lord, when our marriages are struggling? Where are you when um, our children are not listening? Where are you, God? And I found a quote so many years ago, and it blew my mind, and I had to search it up again. It says, sometimes when you are wondering why you can't hear God's voice during your trials, remember, the teacher is always quiet during the test. This is just a test. Whatever you're going through right now, it is just a test. And God wants you to see it as something joyful because it's going to make you stronger. It's going to allow your faith to be stronger. We're not the only ones that take tests. Even Jesus himself had to go through a test. In Matthew chapter 4, now I'd like you on your own time to go and read it, the whole chapter, because it's so good. But in Matthew chapter 4, it says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. So Satan was trying to use this opportunity. He was trying to use this test as something to derail Jesus, as something to make Jesus fall or to sin. He couldn't do it because Jesus used this word. He used the word of God to combat the devil, to knock him off. The devil wanted to knock him off his path, but Jesus' words knocked the devil off his path goal was to make Jesus sin, right? Believers are not exempt from tests, guys. Just because we believe in God, just because we believe in Jesus, doesn't mean that we are not going to go through tests and trials. Lesson number three, trials will test the strength of your faith. Trials will test the strength of your faith. Let's look at chapter, I mean verse four, sorry. It says, and let the steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. It says let. That word let is a choice. Let. Let the steadfast have its full effect. Its full effect. We have to choose to remain steadfast in our trials. Our patience must not be shorter than the trial itself. I'm going to repeat that one more time. Our patience must not be shorter than the trial itself. Think of it as a bridge. If we stop halfway in making a bridge, can you really call it a bridge? Is it really considered a bridge? If I can't get from point A to B, is it really considered a bridge? Let 
steadfastness have its full effect. Continue through that trial, continue through that problem, continue through that season. Let it have its full effect. And let it be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Believers can grow in holiness. Let it be perfect. But it will not be perfected until Jesus Christ comes. What does that really mean? That means on this side of heaven, we will never, never, ever be sinless, but we will sin less. As we continue to endure these seasons, as we continue to endure these struggles and these trials that we have, we will get our faith muscle going and our joy muscle going that we will become sinless when God comes, when Jesus Christ comes, right? We will never be sinless, but we will sin less. When you remain steadfast and you endure your trials, you have something to look back on. So many times in my life, I look at my past trials, I look at my past seasons and I say, wow, Lord, I see your strength in there. I saw your, you working in and around me in that season. And Charles Spurgeon, he's an amazing preacher and he's an author and he wrote it like this. He said, I have looked back to times of trials with a kind of longing, not to have them return, but to feel the strength of God as I felt it then, to feel the power of faith as I felt it then, to hang upon God's powerful arms as I hung upon them then and to see God at work as I saw him then. I need you to endure. I need you to get through this test or this season so that you can look back and remember God's power then. I need you to choose joy during your test. That's it. If you take one thing out of this whole message, I need you to choose joy during your test. You can do it. You have to make the choice and only you can make that choice for yourself. You can have the peace in knowing that you're going to come out as a better person, a stronger person, a wiser person. You can walk through this trial saying that someone needs God to finish writing this chapter of my life because somebody needs to hear this chapter of my life in order for them to get through their season, in order for them to get through their struggles. I need to walk through this test so it can become a testimony to somebody and that God's name will be given all the glory and honor. We are not the only ones who had to go through a test. Now God sent Jesus down to this earth as a baby. A man who knew no sin had the weight of the world sin upon himself. He took the punishment for your sin and for my sins. And he was beaten and died on a cross for you and for me. But you see in, in Luke chapter 22, in Luke chapter 22, before he went to the cross, he was in a garden. He went on to pray on, Mount, on the Mount of Olives and he said, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, 
not my will but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven to strengthen him. His father knew the struggle. His father knew the pain that was on him. But his father also knew that he needed to complete the bridge. He needed to complete the task in order for humanity to be reunited with God. He knew that Jesus would need to finish what he started. So therefore, he did not take that cup from him that night. He completed the bridge. He is our bridge. You see, God and humans were one in the Garden of Eden. And then sin happened and they were separated. And then we have this, this water or this pool or this lake of sin and struggles and doubt around us and we're separated from God, but we needed Jesus. We needed Jesus to bridge that gap between God and humanity. Just like Jesus, you can choose joy. You can choose to complete your bridge. Whatever season, whatever trial you are going through, you can choose joy. But there is even a more significant choice that you have to make. And we find it in Deuteronomy. And God is telling us not only to choose joy, but it says here, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19. I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life. This is the biggest test of our life. This is, supposed, this is going to be the biggest, the hardest test of our life. And the greatest teacher of all is giving us the answer. He is telling us, choose life. This is a test, but I'm telling you the answers. Choose life. And the only way to choose life is to choose Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Thank you again for joining us on the Relevant Church Podcast. If this message has been impactful to you, let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing at giving.thisisrelevant.cc. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for more messages like this one.